This is the Denver Gazette Sports Podcast, and I'm your host, Chris Schmedeke. I have two guests today. First, we'll talk with Tyler King about college football, and then we'll be joined by Kyle Fredrickson to talk some abs. Stay tuned. Okay, I am joined by uh, college sports reporter Tyler King to do our weekly check-in on Coach Prime and the CU Buffs and some other college football news. So, Tyler, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you, Chris? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, you know, we've had a busy, busy time here with Coach Prime coming to Boulder, but uh, I did want to touch on something before we dive into the Buffs, and uh, that's some stuff that was in the news in college football the last couple of days. Uh, first is the uh, tragic passing of Mike Leach, who coached, who was at Mississippi State, uh, who was at Washington State and Texas Tech, played the Buffs a lot in those two spots. Um, you know, I don't know if you had ever any interaction in uh, your your covering teams with Mike Leach or uh, what your thoughts were on Mike Leach? Yeah, no, no personal real connection for me to, to coach Leach. Um, you know, my time was in the big 10 before this, and that's one of the few conferences uh, Mike Leach didn't really coach in during his time. Um, but yeah, I mean, everybody knows what Mike Leach is all about. He's one of the best, he was one of the best characters in college football for the last two decades. And just somebody that was, a real joy to, to seem seem to be a real joy to be around for both supporters, fellow coaches, players. Um, so yeah, just a pretty sad day the other day when, when he passed away. Um, yeah. I mean, coach Leach really, I mean, obviously outside of just his personality was a real, um, real, I mean, really great innovator in terms of the air raid offense and bringing it to popularity, which obviously I have familiar, familiarity with, with, you know, Jay Norvell at Fort Collins running that same offense. So um, you can see Mike Leach's impact on college football all over the country, whether it's, you know, in the South where you were in places he's coached um, and just places he hasn't even coached just where the, his coaching tree has kind of branched off to. Yeah. And I think, is it the new receivers coach at CU that has a connection to him? Yeah. Brett Bartoloni, he's going to be the new wide receivers coach uh, that was reported the other day. Um, he's the Jackson state offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Um, they guys going to coach receivers at CU, and yeah, he's an air raid offense kind of guy. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what CU's offense is. Um, so another another story that hit uh, the uh, this earlier this week was Ryan Walters, former CU Buff and Grandview star, I believe, here in high school. Um, got the job at Purdue. He was definitely probably. I mean, we assume that he was a finalist here in Boulder. Uh, he turned around an Illinois defense that was terrible, down to rank number two. Uh, so I think it was really good to see him get a job. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think he's definitely deserving of a job. Um, I think CU, in maybe a different coaching cycle, different circumstances, maybe would have gone after Walters um, if they hadn't just had previous bad experience with a, a former Buff and Carl Durrell, who was the Buff before, once before he was the head coach. Um, yeah, because I – I think CU is pretty nailed, locked in on, on Dion. And if that wasn't going to be a thing, I think they were going to pivot to guys like Bronco Mendenhall or Tom Herman, just former head coaches, just because that's what kind of they were looking for. Um, but yeah, I think Walters was still definitely a candidate and he's definitely deserving. He's, you know, multiple outlets have ranked him, rated him as the top coordinator, coordinator in the country this season, uh, which says a lot because there, there are a ton of great coordinators out there, many of whom have gotten head coaching jobs across the country. But yeah, Ryan Walters getting a Power Five job—it's great for him. I'm I'm interested to see what he's able to do at Purdue. Obviously, a little bit surprised by Jeff Brom leaving because he's had the chance to leave before, kind of stuck around at Purdue. But now Walters is going to have a chance to play his old team, Illinois, every year. 
which will be uh, which will be fun to see. Yeah, and he's he knows the Big Ten after this season, so I'm sure hopefully he succeeds there. Um, yeah, you know, no no offense to him, but I'm kind of glad to see you didn't go that route. I think there would have I don't know if there would have been backlash, but I think it would have worried a lot of people. Yeah, I, I think there were some people would be most people would be excited because his former buff. He was a pretty good player here, but also it's like, do we really want another former buff? We've had TU hasn't had a lot of success with that uh, recently. You know, with Embry, uh, with Carl Durrell. I mean, it just hasn't really worked out well. Um, and I think they were just looking to go in a completely different direction, which they obviously did with Deion Sanders. But you know, I, I do think Ryan Walters could have done a good job here, but I just don't think that's the direction CU needed to go at this point in time. Maybe one day he'll be the CU coach. Like I mentioned, I think last week I, I said, maybe one day Ryan Walters is the CU coach. Um, maybe this, that's his dream job. And maybe after Deion Sanders, this time is up in CU, however long that lasts, Ryan Walters is the next guy that comes in. But um, he's definitely deserving of a head coaching job right now as well. So, Yeah, for sure. So definitely let's uh, move on to CU's current coach, which is Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, who's – Seems to be pulling double duty this week. He's coaching Jackson State, getting them ready for a bowl game, as well as trekking back and forth to Boulder, uh, eating breakfast in Boulder, talking with recruits, taking pictures with recruits. So how do you think he's doing all this? I mean, I guess we shouldn't be shocked because the guy played in a World Series game and a football game in the same day. But, um, you know, how is he pulling all this off right now? Yeah, I was going to say, if there's anybody more capable of doing – double duty in, in the sports world. I mean, Deion Sanders is the, not to be usually cliche, but the prime example of somebody being able to, <laughs> to, to pull double duty. Uh, yeah. But I think the, the good thing for him is uh, he's probably not doing a ton of game plan stuff for Jackson state. If I had to guess But I mean, he really is just a, a hard worker. He grinds, gets up really early, he spends all day working. So I, I mean, I, I'm not really surprised that he's able to do this. I mean, he really, wants to finish out that this season with Jackson state um, and make sure they get a win in the celebration bowl um, this upcoming Saturday. But obviously I do think most of his attention is on these, this past weekend was a big recruiting weekend, but this one upcoming is going to be even bigger up at CU. I mean, I don't know if you saw pictures and stuff, but they had cars out on Folsom. Oh yeah. Old fancy, old fancy cars on a Folsom field guys taking pictures with them. Um, so yeah, there's going to be a ton of recruits on campus again this weekend, transfers, high school kids. So, I mean, we're less, we're about, I think today, as we're speaking on Wednesday, we're exactly a week away yep. from signing day. So, um, that'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see how many high school kids you can get in the next week or so to kind of get this class, um, back up over 20 players. Cause that's where it was before with the new, with the previous coaching staff, there's been a bunch of players the dozen or so that have decommitted a couple have reaffirmed their commitment. Um, and there have been a couple that have committed to this new coaching staff in the last couple of days, especially a one big running back that they got uh, out of Kansas the other day, which is probably their biggest get of the weekend. If I had to say. Yeah. That he, he was committed to Notre Dame. Right. And then he, flipped. yeah, about a week ago. Yeah. He, he was committed to Notre Dame about a week ago. See offered, he decommitted and, you know, he visited this past weekend and, and committed on the spot. So I mean, that's the first four-star CU's gotten since Mel Tucker um, in 2020. I think Ashad Clayton was the last uh, yeah. four-star player that four-star player that they got. They got a, got a couple in that 2020 class and the 2019 class. But um, yeah, Dylan Edwards going to be could be an immediate contributor for for CU next season. 
And then um, they got uh, an offensive lineman out of Iowa as well. I think another is he. I don't know if he was a four star or not. Was it out of Iowa? Um, it's still hard to Ohio. Keep track. Uh, Ohio. Yeah, excuse me. It was a previous Jackson State commit, uh, but okay. also did offer. And I'm not sure if they're going to get this of offensive tackle out of Iowa on campus this weekend. But um, they did offer. He's an Iowa commit, but uh, he's a five star player that CU offered. So there was some maybe some buzz that he could potentially flip at the last last minute to see you with which would be a really good get obviously any five star that yeah. ever commits to see you is a, is a big get so this weekend probably after the celebration bowl is when we'll see Shador officially come to Colorado we'll kind of be waiting on Travis Hunter because he, he was- I would imagine Travis Hunter I I, I mean I, I'm probably 99.9% sure Travis Hunter I mean why I don't understand why he wouldn't come to to see you he went to jackson state because of dion uh he chose dion basically over alabama florida state georgia and all those schools so i mean he's the top player in the country from last year so um and i'm just more interested to see if he's a wide receiver or a cornerback yeah so was my next he question did, he, he did both at jackson state and i i don't know maybe he could do both at cu but i would imagine at a power five you're gonna want to stick to one side of the ball um, but maybe he's just that good that they'll they'll use him on both sides. Um, I mean, hell, Bill Belichick's doing that with Marcus Jones and, and the Patriots. I, I don't know. I was watching Monday Night Football and they have cornerback out there yeah. playing basically the one like a pass catching running back. Um, so may, maybe Travis Hunter does both. We'll see. Who do you think else comes from Jackson State? I, I know maybe they've got some receivers that may be transferring, and I think CU's got good running backs with this commit and the Hankerson from last year. So I, I don't know. Who, who else do you think could come from Jackson State? Yeah, I'm not really sure. I think we'll wait to see on, on that. We haven't really haven't really heard anything about any Jackson State players that are coming. Um, I think when, when Dion was more talking about the guys that are coming with him, I think he kind of meant bringing in some transfers yeah. um, and, some, and some top recruits. Um, there are some good – obviously, there are talented players at Jackson State. They're undefeated this season, kind of rolling past everybody they've played so far. Um, it is obviously a very different level of competition than what CU is. Um, but obviously I do think there could be two or three, a handful of players that come from Jackson state. And then I would have to imagine they go after that Kent state receiver with bringing Sean Lewis in as the offensive coordinator. Both. There's two Kent state receivers. Their top two receivers are in the portal. Um, and I would imagine they're going to go after both of them. Both of Kent state's starting tackles are in the portal have been offered, have been offered by CU. Um, so, and, and of course, CU has a uh, new offensive line coach is also coming from Kent state. Um, that's just kind of a natural thing, um, for the offensive coordinator, um, to bring along an offensive line coach. So, um, I think, yeah, I think there's definitely a chance that you could see, see some Kent state kids come coming as well. Uh, maybe after this weekend, if they're on campus, um, that, that's certainly a strong possibility because Sean Lewis has done really well at Kent state the last couple of years, that offense, it's going to be similar to what Jackson state has run just kind of a high flying vertical passing offense. They like to get up and down the field, um, which certainly won't help. Will will help the altitude will will help that um, just how much they're going to get up and down the field. And it's going to be difficult for opposing teams to come in here and have to try to keep up with CU's wide receivers all day. And Shadur Sanders is going to fling the ball downfield a lot and Folsom. So I think that's definitely something to uh, look, look for this weekend, just how many, transfer wide receivers are coming in here because they they have offered a bunch there's a usf kid 
uh, Jimmy Horn, um, some other some other talented players from the from the southeast region. So there could be could be a bunch coming to see you uh, in the next coming days. Is Jimmy Horn Joe Horn's kid? I, I'm not sure. I, I haven't. I see look into that i didn't i didn't see i'm not sure i thought that was what i read i'm not sure though that, that just makes me feel old when those guys kids are playing <laughs> um so you got a couple big stories coming this weekend uh one will be in tomorrow's uh e edition and the other one will be over the weekend uh tomorrow's is about how he deon sanders will open his home part of the schedule against old rival nebraska so you know not to spoil too much of your story but what did you find out there and i'm not sure who you talked to but what were people saying yeah, I mean, it's just going to be interesting to see kind of the the turnout. I feel like that was going to be a big turnout uh, game anyway. CU is already pushing that pushing that game, so um, yeah, it'll be it'll be fun just to see that rivalry renewed and two very different coaches, two new coaching staffs on each side of the ball with Matt Rule coming in to Nebraska. So I think you know, hopefully, this will kind of restart that rivalry back up again. Um, I know they played a couple of years ago. Um, there's, this is going to be another home and home, but maybe it's something that they look into making more of a, not a permanent thing, but something that happens more often. Yeah. Both games were really good. The last two times they played, they were both really exciting games. If I remember right, like CU had a big comeback against them at Folsom and then they actually beat them in Lincoln as well. Yeah. That was one of the few, I think it was back in 2016 when CU's last only really good season in the last half, decade and a half. So yeah, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Um, the, the whole non-conference schedule next season for Dion is going to be exciting, definitely. With um, you know, at, starting at TCU, a team in the playoff, then Nebraska and CSU at home. So some good uh, some good tests and some good rivalry games. So um, Dion's first season uh, was going to be exciting regardless, but the opponents make it even even more so. So and then also this weekend you have a story on. Uh you know, the worst kept secret, the new Buffs quarterback, Shador Sanders. Um, I don't know. I'm sure you saw the Fox sports poll where he could be in the Heisman running. I think that's a little crazy to start out, but I, I don't know what that was about, but um, you know, what, what did you find out from him? Um, I don't know if you, uh, what did you, you know, what did you find out doing a story on him? Yeah. I mean, he's just, he was just a really talented, I think people were just underrating him maybe a little bit, just in not looking and trying to, not look too much into his stats at Jackson state just because of the, the level of competition. But I mean, he's been a really talented quarterback his entire life. I mean, I don't think people should be get, I don't think expectations can be too high for sure. I think he's a really talented player. He's got two years of eligibility left and he was the SEC schools, Alabama, Georgia, all the all, LSU, all those places for a reason. Like he's a really talented player. He just, his dad got the Jackson state job and he chose to go there. Um, so I think that, that that's part of, that's the only reason he was really there. And he's now he's going to come to see you with his dad and he's going to have a chance to be in that conversation for some, one of the top quarterbacks in the PAC 12. I think, um, I think the Heisman hype is a little yeah. for next season is a little much. I think that's a little bit more of just trying to get some attention to that story. Um, just because people will be like, really Shadur Sanders. But I mean, it's not too outlandish. I don't think. I don't, I don't think it's the most unreasonable thing. Um, at this point, I would say probably not likely that he's in the highest conversation. But I do think there's a chance he could really turn things around and lead a, and be the the focal point of a really good offense next season. Especially if they get some talented wide receivers in here and the offensive line play is as good as it was last season. So um, he's going to put up stats here as well with the offense they're bringing in. 
Um, and there's there's a pretty good chance he's one of the better quarterbacks in the Pac-12 next season for sure. He's got to be the best quarterback CU's had since, I don't know, Cepho maybe? Montez, I guess. Maybe Montez too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they have just not had good quarterback play in a long time. And I, I just think – oh, and I also saw that Brendan Lewis committed to UConn this morning. Um, oh, did he really? I saw that he visited there. I wasn't sure if he committed. Oh, did or, he not? Uh, oh, maybe it was just a visit. Um, Some of that stuff is so hard to tell because there's yeah. all the pictures of the guys, and it's just like, oh, my, oh my goodness, yeah, I think what he was, are we doing I think here? He had an I think he had an official visit there over the weekend. So um, that would be a pretty good landing spot for Brandon Lewis. Good for him. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it'll be exciting to see, a, a you know, some good quarterback play up there again. That's, that's right. for sure. Yeah. You know, it's like, a lot of bad quarterback play this I mean, past season. Yeah. I mean, Owen Brown was like a mediocre quarterback, and he made it look like he was Joe Namath back there with how bad <laughs> the other guys were. He committed somewhere, didn't he? I didn't see any – I didn't see hear anything about Owen yet. But I'll have to look okay. into that. Um, okay. I thought I, again, like like I said, like it's all yeah. Over. It's it's good. It's crazy time right now yeah. with all the guys in the portal. Yep. All right, Tyler. Thanks for coming on and talking a little uh, college football with me. Uh, we will definitely check in again, probably right after signing day, and uh, you know it's going to be an exciting time in CU football. That's that's all I can say. Yeah, it definitely will be these this next week or so with all the commitments coming in. Um, we'll be we'll be fascinating to see how Dion's able to put this first class together. All right, Tyler, we'll talk to you next week. All right, thanks for having me, Chris. Thanks. I am now joined by Kyle Fredrickson to talk a little Colorado Avalanche. Uh, Kyle, my biggest question for you is, do you need to go on the IR like most of the Avalanche players? I am healthy, believe it or not. You know, I, I had a little bit of a head cold recently back, but hit it with a little bit of that, like, Zycam pre-cold medicine I think it actually worked I, I had a little sniffles and then all of a sudden it's gone so yeah fortunately for me uh, I'm healthy but I don't think avalanche fans want to see me on the ice so uh, I, don't, I don't think it's my health <laughs> that people care about the most so you know on that point the abs have dealt just with this crazy rash of injuries um, you know right now the biggest one McKinnon's out Landeskog's still out um, Val's come back but you know, why don't you give us an update on where everybody kind of is right now? Yeah, I think it's a good place to start in terms of, you know, what Avalanche fans should know this week. And I kind of made a list looking at what what's the good news for right. Avalanche injuries and what's the bad news. And for the first time in a long time, believe it or not, there's actually more good than bad. The abs aren't fully healthy, but to your point, uh, Val Nachushkin is back, Arturi Lekkinen is back. Uh, it was a two-point night for Lekkonen, uh just uh, last night in that win against the Flyers. And, you know, while Val hasn't recorded a point yet from that ankle surgery, you can just tell his presence on the ice, just his ability to create traffic in front of the net, his physicality. It just seems like every game he's he's really gotten his legs back under him. So that's been a good sign. Uh, you know, in terms of the news at today's practice, it was an optional one, so not a lot to report but really the, the the one note from Jared Bednar was that Evan Rodriguez, uh, he might be able to go Thursday against Buffalo. Uh, he was practicing in a normal sweater today. And basically that means it's just he can take contact. There's, there's no limit to what he can do in practice. And that's a big sign. You know, Rodriguez was really surging with this team before that injury. And, uh, you know, the abs have really kind of had to figure out what to do with that second line with so many guys gone. 
Uh, but it's easy to forget how good Erod was, you know, centering that group early in the year uh, as a newcomer to this team. So, you know, getting him back uh, for the next game would be huge. Uh, and then to kind of round out that group, you know, uh, Curtis McDermott and Darren Helm, they were at practice today, but in those red non-contact sweaters. So kind of a sign that, yes, that they are skating and that's positive, but we're, we're, we're still looking uh, ways out for them. And to switch to the bad news. You know, with McKinnon and Landeskog, we're still several weeks away from either of those guys even having an update. Uh, it seems to me that McKinnon's probably going to be back sooner than Landy. I guess we'll have to see about that. And then there's Bo Byram, the defenseman. You know, it's been a kind of a weird situation with him. Bednar called him week to week, you know, over a month ago now, uh, and he's still not skating. So uh, the the best case scenario with him is it's not a concussion, right? I mean, right. that's been the issue that's, that's haunted Bo to this point. So hopefully it's just something lower body that he can get over. But to this point, you know, hasn't made a lot of progress. So yeah, it's, it's a bit of a lengthy answer, but that's just how newsy it's been for the abs with their injuries. But, you know, for the first time in a long time, time uh there's more hope on the horizon than there is just sort of this despair about what's going on you know and even with all those injuries uh you know they struggled on that road trip that you were on with the team and, and spots but uh have played really well the last couple games um you know um they beat st louis in st louis and then they beat the flyers at home last night right those, those are the last right, two games, right, right that's there. right so and you know and somebody who has been healthy most of the year has been miko rantanen he is he pretty much won that game in St. Louis for them with his three right. goals. And, um, you know, how underrated is that guy? Because he doesn't get talked about with McCarr and McKinnon. He's always kind of on that second level, but man, he's just as good at times. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I, I think we do need to give Miko his due before all these guys come back and this lineup's a little more balanced. And to your point, maybe we're talking more about McKinnon and Landy, McCarr, those guys. But Miko, I mean, he's just been nothing but phenomenal through this whole stretch. And the fact that he's stayed healthy with the amount of minutes that he's playing just speaks to his character, his physical fitness. I mean, since the, the calendar flipped to November 18 games ago, this guy has 15 goals and 10 assists. I mean, he's just right. a machine. And, and you know, to your point, the way he can just take over games when the Avs need it, like he did in St. Louis, scoring three goals. I mean, it speaks a lot, but it's it's not just the offense. Uh, I was looking at the Avs game notes, and, and one thing that kind of flew under the radar from that Philadelphia win last night is that Miko had a career best six hits against the Flyers, which wow. shows that he's rounding out his game, right? And I think a lot of people, if there is a critique of Miko, is that he's got that huge frame, but he doesn't really use it to be an enforcer, to be overly physical. I mean, he's got no problem checking guys. But the fact that he's going to go out of his way to kind of lay the lumber, you know, this Avs team needs that, you know, especially with McDermott out of the lineup. You know, I don't expect Miko to all of a sudden change the way he plays. But if you're going to be that big, you know, 6'3", 200 plus pounds, you know, you might as well leverage that. So that's the one critique. But I mean, he, like I said, he just had six hits against the Flyers. So I, I think when we look at what Miko's done with that production and the amount of attention he's drawn, I mean, usually the Avs are so talented and are so top heavy that you can't put a lot of attention on any of their top line forwards, but without Baron, it's been, I mean, teams have really been able to focus on Miko and try to take him out of the play and they've been unsuccessful. So, you know, it's something Jared Bednar has been really appreciative of, you know, Miko's had to step up his leadership as well without McKinnon and, and other top guys in the lineup. And he's just really carried the team, you know, very gracefully through all this. And it seems like he's talking to the media every day because He's the one star who's healthy and, you know, he's yeah. great with us, always very gracious with his time. And, and, you know, we appreciate that too. 
Yeah, I mean, he's just been that one guy. He, he seemed him and you know him and McCarr have just been the the constants all season. Like they haven't really missed much time. And you're right. Like it reminds me a lot of in basketball with Jokic last year and the Nuggets, where sure. they knew he was going to get his, and they just couldn't stop it. And it feels like it's the Miko's the same way right now, where nobody else is. I mean, they still have plenty of talent, but that top end talent is not on the ice and he's the guy that they should be looking at. And he's still putting the puck in the net. Sure. And you know, this, this team still misses its stars, right? You know, when we should say that getting Nathan McKinnon back just changes everything. I, yeah. I mentioned it in my, my game story from last night, just the three observations, but this team is zero for 15 on the pen uh, on their penalty, pl- or, sorry, their power play. Uh, since McKinnon's been gone, and and that's not a coincidence because Nate commands so much attention on that unit, the way that he brings the puck down the ice, sort of in that four low, one high, and 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 just speeds down past everyone to to get things set up. Uh, they need that back, and that's where Miko. Yes, he, he's he's great, and he brings a lot to this team. Uh, but yeah, they certainly need a, a couple more guys back to really round this thing out and let Miko, you know, flourish even more. You know, he might not be the focal point of the offense at that point, but you know, if, if if he's open on the wing because guys can't focus all their attention on him, that's only going to mean good things for the abs. And, and you know, and the abs have a pretty home heavy schedule here coming up. So um, what, what do you see from the schedule and what do you see for these next couple home games? Yeah, I, I see four very winnable games. I mean, I think it's, it's not out of the question to think the abs might be able to sweep this home stretch that they're going to have to get some excellent goalie play, but you look at the first two games, they've got the Sabres and the Predators, you know, those are two teams at or below 500 that the Avs have, you know, experience against the, the Sabres did win that game on the road. Uh, I think a, a week ago on that road trip before I hopped on, out there to, to follow the yeah. team. Um, but that's with more of a bare bones roster before Val, before Lecky coming back. So, you know, I really like the Avs chances in those first two, and then they close it out. Uh, with the Islanders and the Canadians, you know, the, the Islanders dropped five goals on the abs early in the season. They got a lot of high end offensive skill. Um, I could see that game being another shootout. And then the Canadians, you know, they're another team that's hung around 500, but haven't really sustained much winning. I, I think they've only won two or three games in a row uh, just once or twice this year. So, you know, I, I think it's great timing for the abs, you know, the, to, to be here in Colorado playing these games, um, they'll have a little bit more flexibility calling guys up and down from the AHL uh, being that Loveland is just down the road. Um, but they just need this time to get healthy. I mean, we'll, we'll kind of round it back up to the top. I mean, getting this group back to what they should be uh, is going to mean a lot because as of right now, you know, the abs are, are le- leaning real heavily on their depth and, you know, I'll kind of finish it out on this note. Um, you know, I wrote about JT Comfort today, and it'll be in the the E edition of the Denver Gazette uh, tomorrow, and probably online now or, or shortly. But he's a guy who's just been so phenomenal, right, throughout this course of of the Avalanche injury stretch, especially over these last seven games. Um, I think he's got five goals and and three assists over that stretch, and um, he's a guy who always has a great two way game. But finally, he's getting second line minutes, and he's stepping up and 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 really doing well. So I'm looking forward to watching JT on this stretch especially if Erod comes back right because if Rodriguez is back in the lineup maybe he goes back to second line center well what do you do with comfort I mean do, do you just push him down to the third line do you try to work him up because he's been hot um, I'm just really curious to see what what Jared's gonna do um, and a chance for me to catch my breath right uh, don't mind covering a few games at home especially around the uh, the holiday season I'll take it 
for sure. And then, you know, this is a chance for them to get some momentum. And, you know, you and I have said this every time we talk. I don't think worrying about the standings is even worth it with this ass team. They're going to be in the playoffs and they're the defending cup champions and they can beat anybody, any place, anywhere, anytime. Yeah, the the thing, healthy abs. I'm sorry, right, that, the healthy abs. I think the the one warning sign where you think, okay, do we pay attention to playoff seeding? Do we pay attention to where they go? Is if there are strings of losses, right? right. If, if there are three or four in a row, and we see that multiple times over the next couple months or here, that's a concern. You know, any one game being lost isn't such a big deal. But when you're able to, you know, stay out of those funks where you're losing several in a row, that goes a long way. And that's a big thing that the Avs just didn't do last year at all either. You know, when, when they did get down, they found a way to get back and make the changes and 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 play better. And that's a credit to Jared Bednar for, you know, manipulating the lineup and, and figuring out what works and what doesn't. Because, you know, even through this bare bones stretch of, of where the Avalanche haven't had barely any of their guys, you know, the panic button was never really hit, even at some of those low points so uh speaks to the depth and the talent of the abs but yeah we'll we'll be very intrigued to see what happens um you know if, if they do end up losing but to your point no need to really check the standings uh for another couple of months until we see what that seed might be all right kyle thanks for coming on and we will make sure uh make sure to go to denvergazette.com to see kyle's coverage of the abs through this homestand throughout the season and we will talk to you again next week absolutely thank you all right thanks Thank you for listening to the Denver Gazette podcast. Make sure to visit denvergazette.com for all your local news on Broncos, Rockies, Avalanche, Nuggets, and much, much more. We'll talk to you next time.